there, I'm Rebecca Lowe. Welcome along to the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast, where you can get the latest can't-miss content from NBC's coverage of one of the best leagues in the world. Be sure to tune in on weekends at 7 a.m. Eastern for Premier League mornings on NBCSN and Peacock Premium. But for now, we hope you enjoy the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Tim Howard joining Robbie in the studio this morning. I'm Rebecca Lowe. Robbie, um, at moments in that earlier stage of the second yeah. half, we were watching this thinking, wow, if they don't get this three points, yeah. Lampard will be furious. Mm. So what does it tell you about the team that they did come out to nil winners? The, the group are learning, that they're maturing, that the, the reps that they've needed that we saw early on in the season where... They, they weren't as strong. We saw 3-3 draws against West Bromwich Albion, 3-3 draws against Southampton. Clean sheets now, team working hard, winning the ball back, making it difficult for Newcastle to play. The Chelsea teams that have won titles, I'm talking about Jose Mourinho's team, I'm talking about Antonio Conte's team, found a way to win. And whatever you bought, they'd live with you. You know, if you want to bring a fight, they'd fight with you, and their football came through. I've seen a game at Burnley now, away from Burnley a couple of weeks ago, where I thought, this is a bit of a test for Chelsea. Today was a, chess, a test more of attitude that players have been away on international duty. It's a bogey ground at Newcastle. It's almost like mm, Chelsea could draw there. They've gone and got a win again, kept a clean sheet, and go top of the table. Unbeaten in 12, five straight wins. To whom should the credit be directed, Tim? Well, I think, I think it has to go to Lampard because we've, we've talked about he has to get the defence right. He's got to get them on the training ground and they've got to be more resilient. Mm. He's done that. We know the, the, the front four, five, six, whoever he rotates is going to have to gel. That just needed time. It mm. seems to have come good. Mm. But defensively, they got their goalkeeper in. who yeah. looks a real bargain right now. He's, he's rotated his, his centre-backs just a little bit, mm. but they found some solidity in the back and clean sheets have been massive for them. They certainly have, as you say, five clean sheets in the last six coming into today. That is now six in the last seven, and Chelsea sit top of the pile. Well, the Arsenal fan that is alongside Arlo White. Lee, there was a few times during that you talked about the great football that you saw, maybe some of the best football you'd seen all season. Not since 2014 have they been top of the league. I'm surprised you're still there. Um, yeah, it's a great point, Rebecca. And Lee, as a former Arsenal defender, my thoughts are with you at this difficult time. Um, was this the occasion, the match, the performance that announces Tottenham as genuine title contenders this season? Well, we, we said before the game, let's not get carried away because lots of people and lots of um, pundits and everything, as soon as a team wins a, te- wins a game and goes top of the league, it's like, oh, is this the year? Yeah, of course they're in there because the way the league is, they're top of the league for a reason. They've started the, the season brilliantly well. Mm. They're playing with a, a confidence that, that epitomises what the manager's all about. He's got a smile on his face and that's dangerous for the opposition because when Jose fancies it and he's in, in, the, in this mood, everyone's got to stand up and, and have a look. 
they're playing very well. Tactically today, they were absolutely superb, and that's down to him. Also, the players, they, they have to carry out those orders. And the, the resilience and the discipline, especially Sissoko and Hoybier, who played in that role of just dropping into in between the centre-back and the full-backs, which allowed them to spread across and stop City getting behind, was absolutely a masterclass. And, and they did it brilliantly well. And, and their break, on the, their, their pace on the break and their finishing superb today Tottenham were well Rebecca you mentioned it before we started the day with Leicester top then Chelsea went top then Tottenham went top Leicester in theory could go top again so could Liverpool Graham and I will be there for that tomorrow from a neutrals perspective what a season we've got here storylines everywhere and a genuine title race it seems you're absolutely right chaps thank you very much indeed seeing Jose Mourinho go back down the tunnel he was <laughs> pumped up he, <laughs> his body was full of energy yeah. as he went back into that dressing room how dangerous as Lee insinuated there is that image of a happy Jose mm. for the watching Premier League. Well, he can make an entrance and he knows how to make an exit as well. And he just, he loves the camera. He loves when things are going his way. And when he doesn't, he manipulates them to go his way. And right now, this team is full of confidence and you can see what it means to Jose as well as the rest of his team. They, they just seem to follow each other. The, the, the play and the way that they're set up, tactically, we know he's a genius. That, that's, that's not an overstatement. But he's setting his team up to be expressive going mm. forward, mm. which he really hasn't always had. Mm. And then, as, as I keep saying, the, the defensively, he sets them up so perfectly. Even in a, And you mentioned the two center midfielders yeah. have been vital to that tactic. Compare this Spurs team to the Pochettino team that went so close in 2016. Mm. Is it better than that team? It's more disciplined. Mm. There's three things I wrote down today. Team organization. Everybody, they're defending the back and somebody heads the ball, they get up as a unit. The back six are in there. Nobody's better at looking at the opposition and nullifying the strengths of Jose Mourinho. So the team organisation. The second thing I've got, the selfless work that people were doing that wasn't for them. Harry Kane running back, Young Min Sun tracking back and Bergwijn and all players working hard for the team, not for themselves. The third thing is the spirit at that football club. Mm. When, when you saw, I mean, he chest bumped Hoiberg. I thought he broke his ribcage. I mean, the emotion inside him. I'm seeing subs being involved. I'm seeing the staff being involved. He's building that spirit again that we know now. These nine games played, they're top of the table. Nothing has won. And he'll be the first to say that. But there's something starting to happen at Spurs. Well, Jose, outstanding result for you. What would you say about the performance that delivered it? For me, I prefer the players to to speak because uh, they are the ones. They were fantastic. They give uh, they give everything. Uh, they follow a strategy and football sometimes and more than ever. A strategy plays a, an important part, and they were amazing. This guy, Harry Kane, represents the spirit of, uh, of all the other guys. The way he works for the team is the same way the other ones do it. Um, it was very important to respect them and not to forget the team they are. Uh, if we follow people speaking about them not being as good as before, if we follow um, the fake table because they have one match uh, in hand we would probably play in a, in a different way but against these guys uh, we all know how pep teams are and the quality of, of the players we defined uh, a way to play and was magnificent to see them uh, do what they did so 
super congratulations to the to the players. Uh, I think the referee team was really really good too. And City is is a fantastic team that lost against a team that strategically was was very good. But City still is still City. Uh, how do you feel after that? Uh, could be better. Uh, we lost a game, so uh, we play we play like a similar like season. They are so physical like a team, and we defend not good the first goal, and after we put a perfect scenario for them. Defend so deep uh, with the holding midfielders following the people in the middle, so they defend with six in the back. So when the duel is not easy, we. We had our chances, our options. Uh, we got another score, and they make two or three contra-attacks, That's all, and uh, yeah, we lost the game. You had the ball in the back of the net, of course, and it was ruled out for handball. The, the Jesus for handball. How did you see that one, Pep? It's very, very. It's very confusing now. What is a handball and isn't a handball, isn't it? If it is allowed, it's handball. No, I, I didn't see it honestly. I could not. I could not say. I could not say anything else. The Man City manager there, Pep Guardiola. Robbie, you and Tim mm. have made it clear that Jose Mourinho had a plan and executed yeah. it to perfection. Yeah. So if you knew that, then Pep Guardiola knew exactly mm. what Jose Mourinho's Spurs were going to do today. Yeah. How did he not prepare his team better to not walk away with defeat? Mm. At times, they, they had the possession and, and, and Spurs knew that, but the, the passing movements weren't razor short that they can be, so if I pass it in and it moves quickly, it makes the team Spurs have to really move around the pitch. They didn't do that that well. They couldn't get, they couldn't get round the sides because Spurs were that wide. Usually we see full-backs getting mm. to the byline and cutting things back. You miss Aguero, you miss Raheem Sterling, difference makers. Those are two very important players. Even though you're playing at a high level of internationals who come in the team, you know, there's a lot of goals between those, those two players as well. But to be honest, they were just not quite at it, Manchester City, today, in all honesty. There are lots of teams, though, who are missing key players. This season of all seasons, with the injuries that we're see seeing and with COVID, they're not quite at it. I feel like we've said that all season. How concerned are you by City? Well, today was a perfect example of, of why I'd be concerned that... Spurs had the game plan and put six across mm -hmm. the back, essentially, which limited the space and, and it discouraged the wing-backs, as you mentioned, to get, to get down the line, which bottled everything up. Pep always talks about he doesn't like his teams taking shots from distance, right? Mm -hmm. So they, they're just trained, even though Pep knew this was coming, they're just trained to share the ball and use it and run beyond, and there was no space there. And so ultimately, even though they knew it was coming, they're still programmed to do one certain thing. I almost get the sense, and, and this happens with all the great teams, that, that people find a way. And the mm. blueprint. Leicester City have shown that, listen, let them have the ball these times that we set triggers, we're going to counter-attack. Spurs had two or three great opportunities when they could have got other goals as well. Might just be Pep, and I know he signed this new two years, has to start to just rethink maybe a little bit how they're going to approach games. Well, that was a cruel five minutes at the start of the second half, wasn't it? How do you feel overall about that one? Yeah, I'm gutted, to be fair. Um, I thought it was a good performance from us. We, we dug deep and to concede, to concede like that, it's just so so unlucky, and I felt like we were we were hard done by, especially just before where we could have got a penalty. I'm not sure if it was or it wasn't, to be honest. It but, was a tackle on you, wasn't it? It was, yeah. I felt a big contact on my leg, but uh, if he got the ball, or not I don't even know. But yeah, we're very disappointed. And then when they go back down the other end as as well, just before they put the pass out wide, to so one matter, were you fouled? Listen, I, I thought I was, but 
I can't see from the TVs, like, he's behind me, so if he got the ball or not, then uh, they know, but I felt like I was fouled. But, um, we had Michael Owen and Tim Sherwood in the studio, and they both thought that you they? had been fouled, but you didn't seem to appeal for it. I did appeal for it, yeah. And it was just waved away? Yeah, so I've just... That's why I was very disappointed, especially as the keeper saved it and just made it even more harsh in a way. We'll get to Manchester United in just a moment, um, but now we've heard there from Conor Gallagher. West Bromwich Albion, good against Spurs, lost. Mm -hmm. Not bad today, lost. Is a result coming? I, I, I don't see where it comes from. I, I'm, at halftime, I said, if they concede, they're going to struggle to get back in the game because they don't score goals, let alone score two goals. It's really difficult at the moment. They get all of their momentum and their inspiration in the game from keeping a clean sheet, and they haven't been able to do that either. Agree. Is it, yeah, there's elements of that team that, that are functioning quite well. Rebecca, mm -hmm. goalkeeper was excellent. Mm -hmm. Back four, you know, worked hard and, and denied opportunities. And as Tim said, listen, you've got to share the goals around. Maybe it's a few set pieces. Maybe in the January window, they might have to try and get somebody maybe on loan who can who can score the goals. But certainly in that first half, and if the penalty had gone for the, in their favour and they'd have gone one 0 up, who knows what could have happened? So I thought there was a little bit hard. I think you can take some away from there, Slavenberg. She's gone mm -hmm. to Manchester United and, and certainly didn't get blown away. How would you describe that Manchester United performance? I thought it was slow. Um, there just doesn't seem to be a lot of belief in this mm. team. I think Fernandez is their, is their key player, their star player. But when things aren't going right, I don't think you can... OK, Pogba was injured. You can't play Pogba in there because Fernandez has that position. You can't be, play Van der Beek because Fernandez occupies that position. So you almost can't get your best players on the field altogether. And so this was an example of that where it just... If it doesn't go through... Fernandez, then it's it's just all a bit slow. I don't think there's a belief in the squad. This was one of those games that it needed winning, so good on him for actually winning the game and getting the three points, but still no more inspired. But is winning against West Brom, who haven't yet won, from the penalty spot by goal to nil enough for Manchester United? No. And, and listen, you can talk about the international break, getting the three points and all those things. They've added to the points total. I think it's another... One in that conversation that we said of who are Manchester United, what are Manchester United, we still don't know, Rebecca. Mm. I mean, most teams play West Bromwich Albion and make West Brom look like there's a difference in class between where they've come from and where they are. Manchester United didn't. I mean, that game was in the balance. The penalty goes the other way. It could have been different. And the biggest criticism of Manchester United, it, the, the, the setup of the team I didn't think was right, considering who they were playing, a newly promoted team, two holding midfield players. What Donny van der Beek's got to do to get in the first 11 against West Brom, mm. I do not know. But more important than that, they look unrehearsed when they have the ball. They look like it's just a bit off the cuff, like there's no setup. You see Chelsea play, we see Tottenham play, you see Manchester City play, whether they win, lose or draw. You see the system and style of what they're trying to do. Look at this Man United team and, and like you're scratching your head. Unrehearsed? Very much so. Yeah, it's off the cuff. What did you make of the goal that was ruled out today? Because you obviously did have the ball in the back of the net and you were certainly one of the players speaking to the officials at half-time. I, I don't know the rules anymore, honestly. Uh, I thought if it's above the arm here that it's, that it's not handball anymore with the law changes. No, yeah. But then it's like middle of the... Uh, what did Gabriel say? Hit him. Yeah, but everybody knows that it hits him here. But honestly, I don't know the rules. Like, it did change. And if, and if you will listen tomorrow or the day after, they will come on whatever channel and they will say, the referee will say, it's a good decision. So it, it really doesn't matter. 
Does Kevin DeBorn have a point there? No, not at all. The, the ball's hit him lower down on the arm. We know if it hits high up near the badge, okay, that's in, in play, but it's not. It's hit him lower on the arm. It's a penalty. Uh, excuse me, handball. Clear for you two? Yeah, it's hit him down here in the back, and he, his arm's coming away from his body mm. as well. I, I thought that was a pretty easy decision to give. Manchester City mm. in the bottom half of the yeah. Premier League after mm. eight games. What concerns you most? Well, I tell you what, it's a bit concerning. It's a lack of goals. Ten goals scored, conceded 11. They've got ten goals to make. Uh, games this this season. They had 27 goals this time last year and scored 102 in total. So Aguero's out, that's a miss. Sterling didn't play today, that's a miss. But defence has is, is got better and, and, and looked uh, structured. It wasn't brilliant today, but did OK. But the, the lack of goals is a little bit of a worry. And that's never been a problem for mm -hmm. Pep's team. Top scorers last three seasons. Well, that's right. They, they play so open and expansive. They actually said, we can trade, we can trade goals. We can mm -hmm. go back and forth because we'll end up scoring more than you, and it just hasn't happened for him. Let's have a look at Tottenham's upcoming schedule. Yeah. I know you're interested in these, Robbie. Well, I know Jose Mourinho will be saying to, to Spurs fans and his Spurs players, just hold on a, a moment with nine games in, because this is uh, the next six games. You look at Chelsea, Arsenal, Liverpool, Leicester and Wolves, all in the top eight last, last season. The, if we get to Boxing Day, it's 26, and they are up there or thereabouts, Jose goes into special gear. That's when he will kick on and that's when we'll st start seeing the real true v qualities of what Jose Mourinho brings. I feel we're already starting to see a little of special Jose gear. You, Tim? Yeah, Robbie, I agree with you. But my worry for S Spurs fans is it's going to get... He's going to see this fixture build up and he's going to go, right, you think I've parked the bus before. <laughs> Don't you worry. I'm going to rotate my squad. I'm going to get the mm. results and I'm going to be top right after Christmas. Just a little thought. As I was saying, Deli Alley, mm. sitting out of things, his team are flying, the top of the table. Might he have a part to play in the second half of the season? Don't put that past Jose either. Mm. Bruno, the first league win at Old Trafford this season. Uh, is there a feeling of relief after that? What are your thoughts? Oh, I think, of course, it's really important to us winning, winning this game. Uh, first of all, not because it's the first win at Old Trafford, but because we need points in the league. Uh, it was a tough game. I think we can we can do we can do much better. We create a lot, uh, but but we have to do. I think we we have qualities to do much better. You're involved in both penalties. Just the, the first one, you look pretty adamant that you got the ball rather than that. Just give us your yeah yeah. Because I feel in the first moment I I touched the ball and uh, after after I touched the ball is the second contact. I think I don't see the image, uh, but uh, what I feel in the moment was I touched first the ball and after the the player. And at the other end, what is the the thought process when you have to retake a penalty that you missed just moments earlier? Ah, it's not good. It's not good because you need to you need to do in the on the first one. Doesn't matter if the keeper comes out of the line. Uh, I'm, I'm not I'm not happy because uh, okay I scored the second one, but I need to score the first one. Um, but at, at this point, the most important is the three points. It doesn't matter. Ollie, congratulations! Back-to-back -back league wins for the first time this season. Just give us your thoughts on the performance tonight. Well, it's uh, important to get the first win at home. I think there's been a lot said about it, written about it. And I think you can see towards the end, uh, we were a bit edgy that we, we needed to hang on to this win. We could have, should have probably uh, scored a couple more to, to make it an easier finish. But then uh, on 1-0, you're never sure. And uh, it's a tight, uh, tight call both ways. Two big calls in yep. the game, um, a real turning point in the first 10 minutes of the, of the second half. Give us your thoughts on the, on the first penalty that was overturned. 
Well, I looked at um, looked at the penalty this morning or this uh, this afternoon, probably Villa Villa Brighton, and there's contact on the ball and contact with a man. In my head, it might be a penalty, and I think maybe there as well we're uh, we're a tad lucky, but. That's, uh, none of them are given, so maybe the rules are different to what I, how I uh, interpret them. You were still in the game at half-time. How aggrieved do you feel that that first penalty was overturned? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm really disappointed. <laughs> I'm really disappointed with the decision. To uh, be fair, throughout the whole second half, I felt like a, like a small West Brom, to be fair. All, all those crucial... Decisions went went against us. For me, and I watched it a few times now. For me, it's uh, the penalty on Conor Gallagher. It's 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 a clear penalty, and I don't understand why he overturned that. Uh, the penalty with the new rules. It's a handball. It's a bit unlucky from from Darnell. It's a handball, but before the before the handball, it was a, it was a clear foul on Conor Gallagher. So. We are talking about instead of one nil for us, it's one nil for them, and that that makes especially when you play against against Man United away, it's 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 a huge difference. It's a, it's crucial. It's it's. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Sebastian, big, big goal for you. Your first outside the box in top flight football. How did it feel? It feels great. For me, it's the same. You know, goal is a goal. So, yeah, I just feel happy for the team because today was a great fight and uh, we got three points. Really need it. And, uh, yeah, just happy for the goal. And, uh, yeah, this one is outside the box, so it's a bit special. How important is that goal for you, considering you were running the last few games? Uh, of course, for the confidence as a striker, it's really important, you know. And, uh yeah, my games, it's only about scoring goals, so uh, if I can do it, that's all right, and especially with the win today. So uh, I came from uh, also, the, the, I came back from the national team, you know, try to bring the confidence back, so uh, I hope it will help the team for the next games. This team looks like it's full of heart, full of confidence at the moment. What's been the difference? Difference? I don't know. I don't know. I, uh, I just know that uh, at the training ground, I think everyone is... Uh, is involved, you know, trying to give his maximum uh, at every training. So uh, it gives uh, something special, you know, it pushes everyone uh, to the right direction. So um, that's why I think we are here today. Uh, just we have the good attitude, I think. West Ham, all of a sudden, into the top half and mm -hmm. up to eight. They deserved that today, didn't they? They did. Um, the game management has got much better. There's a real spirit and, and camaraderie amongst the group that we've seen building over time. 
Alaya getting that goal with Becker is, is huge because if they can get some confidence back in him and Mikel Antonio comes back into the team as well and they get goals from other areas of the pitch. Uh, David Moyes has done a brilliant job of, of navigating some really tough fixtures early in the season where we thought, oh, they're going to struggle for points. Now they've got them in a really comfortable spot. Where Sam is a good story. Go on, Tim. Yeah, David Moyes has got them believing. You know, there were some questions about whether he could get this team onside. Mm. Four clean sheets from Fabianski. Mm. Declan Rice, who looks like a real, a real leader of this club, scored for England mm. uh, in the week. And, and David Moyes, as he does, mm. he challenges certain players. He challenged Allaire. You know, and you weren't sure how he was going to react to that, and he's, mm. he's responded really well. We only have a couple of minutes before we have to head on to NBCSN. Yeah. I want to get stuck into the Sheffield United mm. story on reflection. You said it before the game. You didn't think that Bruce should have been on the bench, mm. and now you look back on this game. Did Wilder make the wrong choice for you? Wilder made the wrong choice. He went with experience um, with McBurney. Didn't, it didn't come off. You spent a club record, which for Sheffield United is so massive. You can't mm. just spend that money and put him on the bench. A little bit like... What Scott Parker is doing at Fulham, he's saying it's not going to look great, but I'm going to pick my best team and I'm going to play and forget this chopping and change and I'm going to get the best players out there. And look, they're down at the bottom for a reason. Get your best players on the pitch and then let them go. Eight defeats out of nine. Yeah. Not many Premier League managers survive that. Is his no. job safe? It's safe because of what he's, he's crediting the bank, what he's done, how he's brought this team up. But interestingly for me, Rebecca, more than as he says, is what's his style of management now? Last season, this team won a few games and he came out and was terribly harsh on him and was very brutal with some of his, um, his assumptions. I think he's going to have to change that. This team, look, down on confidence. Mm. They, they won a lot of games last season by odd goals, the fine margins. Well, that's gone the other way. They're going against them now. Have people worked out the, the sort of overlapping system that they're going to sit there? Six or seven strikers in that football club. And at the moment, you can't see a goal coming, coming from any, anywhere. He's got some real problems. He's almost like a boxer without a knockout punch. Hmm. Yeah, they defend OK, they play forward OK. They can't score goals. Got a straw. Mm. Drop points again. Yeah. What does Mikel Arteta address first? The first thing he'd, he'll, he'll do is pat the ten players who finish the game on the back because... For most of that second half, Rebecca, they, they were man down and they ended up having a couple of chances. The next thing he'll do, or he should do, is steam into Nicola Pepe and make him apologise to his teammates. I'd make him go on Arsenal TV tomorrow morning and apologise to the fans. Mm. I'd run him round the training ground for an hour because he, he wanted to give, give up in, in the second half and I'd fine him as much money as I can because his team got a point today, and it's a well-earned point. They could easily have lost that game. But Pepe wasn't the only problem, was he? As much as I agree with you, Robbie, and he should do that, this falls on Mikel Arteta. The discipline was before this. It was, the play, it was William going off to Dubai. It's, the, again, the infighting with Ceballos and now Pepe. This will keep happening unless, as you said, he runs the player, he finds the player, and he gets this group to, to believe in each other. Because there's a respect factor, isn't there? We've both played on teams. And a player can let you down. Yeah, it's all well, well and good that he apologizes. But there's a respect factor amongst group, the group saying, we are in this together and we, ha and we have to be able to trust one another. Nicola Pepe was, was a club record signing when he signed for this football club. He hasn't, in all honesty, he hasn't kicked a ball yet. Mm -hmm. For him to do that, and, and you've got Bukayo Saka who comes on, who looks like he, he's going to make something happen, 
that's not good enough. If Mikel Arteta is going to turn things round, you have to sometimes make an example of somebody. He's done it with Meza Ozil. That's not good enough for Pepe. That, that, that's almost saying, I don't care. It was about him, that head, but it was nothing about his teammates. Is it concerning as well that it's, it wasn't yesterday that Mikel Arteta arrived? So this lack of discipline mm. and this maybe lack of respect that you're calling it isn't something that he's inherited. Well, we're starting to see things come through. The frustration. See Tierney at, the, at, at yeah. the end of the game there. That's just frustration because this Arsenal team know they're not where they should be. Mm. And that's something that Mikel Arteta's got to turn around quickly. Mikel, in the circumstances, down to 10, minute, uh, 10 men for the last 40 minutes of the game. Was that a good point for you? Well, it's a point. Um, I'm never happy with a draw, but considering the circumstances, a point that we have to take and, um, and move on. Any complaints about the red card? It's unacceptable. That's it. Have you had a chance to speak to Nicholas yeah. in the dressing room yet? Mm -hmm. Uh, what kind of reaction did you get from That's him? Unacceptable. At this level, you cannot do that. Do you feel that he let down his teammates? It's unacceptable. As regards the game as a whole, you had to soak up an awful lot of pressure the way that Leeds United play. Mm -hmm. How pleased were you with the way that your defence coped today? Well, I think there were two different parts in the first half where one of them, we were superior, we were dominant, we pressed them high, we created a lot of issues to them, we had some opportunities that we didn't put away and after we suffered last 15, 20 minutes, really difficult, we started to give balls away in difficult uh, positions, not finishing actions, which leads to them having the spaces to attack, and they are really good at that. And we were lucky not to go one nil down after that period. And then the second half, different story, playing with 10 men against this side with the energy that they put in, it's complicated. James, was that a really good professional job against a dangerous team, especially with the injury problems Liverpool had coming into the game? Yeah, I think so. I think first half we were very good. Second half weren't as good. Let them into the game a bit more, I think. Um, you know, but there's a lot of miles in the boys' legs, um, internationals and things like that. So, you know, I thought we kept the ball pretty well. Um, at times took the sting out of it when he turned to the first half and got the second goal. You know, could have been outside more. Bobby, I don't know what he's been doing, but he's the unluckiest man alive, I think, uh, for the first um, 80 minutes of the game or whatever, but he deserved his goal. He was, he was brilliant tonight, so unlucky, but yeah, I think it was a great performance. It looked like the rest of the team was happy as he was when it finally went in. Yeah, I just said to him, I think I'd have been angrier than him if he was just one of those nights and I thought he was outstanding and just couldn't get his goal, so delighted he got it. Um, thoroughly, thoroughly deserved. I thought he was brilliant, along with the full front line and, and, and you know the boys at the back done brilliant as well. You all played your part coming in at right back. They seem to be targeting your side of the pitch. Yeah, maybe, yeah. I would as well, but um, yeah, you know, you do the job you, you can and uh, Nico come on and done very well and, and, and slipped straight in and, and made some great challenges and a great contribution. So, um, you know, I think um, we're, we're blessed to have a great squad of players. Everyone's pushing each other and um, people are playing wherever asked and, and doing a great job and that's because we're, we're very lucky to have a great squad of players. Your first Premier League start of the season, but you can also claim an assist as well. Yeah, yeah, um, I'll take it. But yeah, I think it, we just wanted to win, you know. Obviously, it, it's nice for me to um, start the game. I want to start as many games as I can. I know that's probably not going to be every game these days with me getting a, a, a slightly older. But um, you know, wherever I'm asked, I'll, I'll do the job I can. And um, always delighted to just to contribute. And it was important we got that win. Um, you know, there's a long break now between the next international break. It's hard to get that rhythm. I think early in the season when you got all the international breaks. So it was important to play a very tough team and, and get a win to set us on a run hopefully now going into this uh, busy period. They've got Atalanta at home on Tuesday night back to Graham and Arlo. Not a lot wrong with this Liverpool team after all. 
Absolutely, Rebecca. And Graham, going into the game, there were a lot of Liverpool fans, both that I know or have read on social media, were very nervous about this game with the amount of injuries and the away form that Leicester had put together, winning at Manchester City, Arsenal and, uh, and Leeds. How impressed were you with that Liverpool performance? Uh, very impressed. I think it, it goes to show the, the, the depth of the squad. Anybody that comes in or even trains regularly with the first team, that they know what standard they have to perform at in order to get into this team. And although there's plenty of opportunity now that there are injuries, there's not a single player in the club, I don't think, that takes it for granted that they can just bowl up and, and, and play. Mm. And those people that have come in, I think, have done an exceptional job. And, it, and it's a lovely problem for the manager to have. Milner being one of them. Absolutely. Well, to go and, you know, he, he'll always say, he said there in his, in his interview, that he's happy to contribute to the team. And, you know, he... People like him would be could potentially be sat there going, "Well, I expect to play every week because I'm James Milner." He could you couldn't be further from the truth mm. with him, and he slotted in at right back was exceptional in the first 20-25 minutes. And then what you do, you create the culture, the environment, the identity of the team, and players come in whether they're a young player, Curtis Jones, a new player. Jogo Jota come in and look like they've been here for a long, long time already. Well, if the commentator's curse is something where you mention how good a player is and then he messes up, <laughs> we got Roberto Firmino his goal. It was the it was the inverse, Are wasn't you claiming it? Claiming an assist. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it was a good header, wasn't it? It was. And he needed that. Yeah, he did. You could see, by the way, uh, the celebrations afterwards, the amount of players around him. There's a, there's always you're always pleased for a striker that gives so much. But he's always going to be judged at some point on the goals they score. And the lovely thing about that chance was the, the ones they had before that he couldn't almost buy a goal. And mm. it was a delightful ball in and a, and a well-timed header. So very pleased for him. Well, very disappointing from Leicester City tonight, Rebecca, who arrived on the back of six victories in all competitions. But Liverpool joint top with Tottenham Hotspur and it spurs Chelsea for us next weekend. We'll talk to you then. We'll look forward to it. Arlo, Graham, thank you very much. So that environment that Graham was talking mm. about there, that whether yeah. you're a new player or a young player, Curtis Jones or Diego Jota, you come into and it's been established. Yeah. Give us an insight into sort of the, the pillars of that environment that Jurgen Klopp has created that allows mm. him to put on a performance like this despite that list of injuries. That James Milner is around the football club, that Jordan Henderson is around the football club, even if injured, that Virgil van Dijk is around the football club, that... It's a little thing sometimes, Becca. It'll be the standard of training, and if you're not up to it, it won't be the manager, it'll be your teammates who tell you. It's about times when you don't come in on time and you're five minutes late for training, you think, it's only five minutes. Well, no, it's not only five minutes. We're all in here, we go out at 10 o'clock, you get out at 10 o'clock. It's your eating habits, it's looking after yourself, it's doing all the things around your football club. And what just stood out to me today was... Mikel Arteta is trying to build this at Arsenal Football Club. That's what he's trying to build. Jurgen Klopp in five years has got it spot on. And that's why I wasn't so worried about, about this game. Because what Jurgen Klopp's done with this team has said, when there's adversity, when things are against us, we go back to who we are and what we do. Regardless of names, regardless of anything else. And today, they gave, I thought they gave Leicester an absolute clinic in, in, in football. I think it's fairly clear that even if Liverpool do win the league, it won't be the procession that it was mm. last season. How concerned do you think Jurgen Klopp is by the rest of the pack? He'll be more concerned about the rest of the pack this year than he was last year because they were far and away the best team. But a huge credit has to go to him in the way he, he trains his team and the culture that he sets. I've been around managers who have their first 11, mm -hmm. and if there's any wobble there, if there's any injury, you can see the panic on their face. Mm -hmm. I guarantee he trains his team the same way, whether it's the 23rd guy on, mm -hmm. on, on the squad or his top player. 
And that way he gives, he gives players confidence. Fabinho slotting in there. I doubted that Fabinho could do the job today, but I, I guarantee in that dressing room, mm. he's saying, go out there, Mark Vardy out of the game, do, do your job, and, and, and we'll, we'll run away winners. And they did that. If they win this title this time around, Rebecca, I dare say it'll be a better title than, than mm. the first one. Because it's going to be with adversity. It's going to be without Virgil van Dijk. It's today, days when everybody's missing it and they got the job done against the Leicester team that got outplayed. There's a quality gap and probably felt, maybe, whether they came into the game too confident, I, I don't know, but we're never really at the races. Jürgen, especially bear in mind how much you had to shuffle things around before the game. Just how satisfying was that win tonight? Very, because we deserved it 100%. The boys played an incredible game against an um, top, top, top opponent and um, playing then the way like we played tonight is I don't take things like this for granted to be honest it's um, the boys uh, were really on fire football wise played and played and played obviously Leicester is meanwhile the team is um, defense in a specific way Jamie Vardy is much deeper than he was last year last season so that makes it just even more tricky we wanted to we had to bring um, Ginny um, in possession as well. We needed to use him as well, so it was always try to find him and then how the two other midfielders did in the, in the beginning and then later when Millie was on was just incredible. Um, how the whole team defended, the front line defended really well and then the <laughs> offensively it was anyway incredible. We could have scored more goals, we should have probably. Um, that is really uh, a top sign for a good game. Also, as well, you said to us before the game that a lot of tonight is about concentration. Was that in the way you contained Leicester City tonight? Look, with the, with the problems you all cause us and the discussions and stuff like this with um, fixtures and, and all these kind of things, you have to control games. And you're controlling games is a massive, it's a massive challenge against an opponent like this. You, you have to score, we have to be lively, but then in the moments when you cannot create, you have to, to keep the ball and all this kind of stuff. It's, it's completely different challenges we have, we have this year. Um, and um, it's really tough how we discuss the necessity of, 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 uh, of changes. I, I can't believe that. Um, why we change late is because we constantly have to think that somebody has to go, will go down with a muscle injury. We cannot change early because we change early and then the, the other one has a muscle injury, you, you end the game with nine players. So that's the, that's the truth and nothing else. It's not, I always said it, it was never about us when I spoke about it. It was about, um, it was, it's about all the players. It's about the England players. It's about all the players who play the European Championship in the, in the, in the next summer. If you, when you don't start talking to BT, we are all done. And you don't start talking to BT, Sky and BT have to talk. Because if, if we keep playing on Wednesday and Saturday 12.30, you will, I'm not sure if you finish the season with 11 players. All the top six and seven, but I know you don't care, and that's the problem. Well, it's wrong to say that we. No, don't... it's not wrong because we discussed it already for a long time, and nothing happened. Everybody tells me it's difficult. It's difficult here, difficult there, but it's 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 really difficult for the players. That's what is difficult. The rest is just a decision on a, on a, on a, on, a, on a desk in an office. So, and that's not that sounds not difficult for me. But we keep it like this, and you you want to see the spectacle, and then I'm I'm happy about the game tonight. But we lost another midfielder. How you saw on the bench, we don't have. 
have a lot, and that's the situation. But it's not about us. I can only say it one more no, time. Whoever I, I, calls I'm me selfish has to ask himself who is selfish, but it's really um, not about that. I uh, want to discuss these things completely calm. The only problem is everybody, whatever I say, might, maybe, my, maybe it's my, my language, it's like, he, he talks about Liverpool. I don't talk about Liverpool. I talk about the football players out there. Yesterday, PK, massive knee injury. Today, maybe Saka, I'm not sure, looked like a knee injury, but what I saw from the things. He played all three games for England in the international break. So, and today's football. And now the, the people tell us, yeah, then rotate. Who? We have offensive players. We could rotate, yes. The rest are kids. That's how it is. It's all, it's all okay. We, we fight with all we have. But when you not start talking, you will see what happens. I understand exactly what you're saying, and you don't sound as though you're talking just about Liverpool. Genuinely, you're talking about the welfare of players and other players in the league as well. Exactly. But, no, point, but, but, but people tell make. me then, I would talk about Liverpool. So that's what they... What, what, no, what it doesn't come across like that. The only, the only point I would some. make, though, Jürgen, is it's not just the broadcasters. It's, and it's a massive problem. Wednesday and Saturday, 12.30, is a broadcast a problem and nothing else. But the people tell me, if we want to change that, we need a shareholder meeting. For what? For what? And then you ask for, give us money back. For what? We have two teams who play Champions League on Tuesday night and two who play Champions League on Wednesday night. Then we have teams who they play um, European League on Thursday night. So what you do... Because you pick first the team and then BT starts picking us. We play Wednesday night and we play the next game on 12.30. What are we doing now? We play against we play against Atlanta Bergamo on Wednesday and 12.30 at Brighton. That's an early Christmas present. We will, we will show up there with a, with a shaking. Like, I, mean, I, I think about sending the, the points. That's how it is, because you go there, you lose a game. You can always lose a football game. That's, of course, possible for us as well. That's how it is. But it's the problem. We cannot change 10, 11 positions. It's just not possible, because we cannot only show up. We have to win the football games. We cannot only go there and, oh, we wear a red shirt. Nice. It's enough. So, gentlemen, it's exactly how it is, and nothing else. Start talking and start making decisions. I know it's not you, but... You have to. No, 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 I understand. I understand. It's not personal. It's a discussion. It's good to hear yeah. these things. Point and I like the relationship with you. A lot, really, with all this, with Sky, with the all, it's all really not, it's not a problem at all. I think the thing is, complex, though, you know, it's not just the broadcasters, it involves a whole lot of people. The clubs Look, who have created the four weeks, we have, we have, we have, if somebody tells me again about contracts, then I go really nuts. Because the contracts are made not for a COVID season. We all have to adapt. We, you adapt, we adapt. You stand here with a face mask. We adapt to the situation. Would you have thought a year ago you would ever go somewhere with a face mask and have to stand there and we cannot be closer like this? That's, that's, that's the situation. So everything changed. But the contract with the broadcast is still, nope, we said we have this, so we keep this. What? Everything changed. The whole world changed. That's it. I'm just glad NBC don't have to games. <laughs> uh, Sky and BT, you may know, are the broadcasters in the UK, the main broadcasters of the Premier League, and he is telling them to talk. But as Jeff Shreves, the interviewer, was trying to say, it isn't just the broadcasters and the clubs do have to agree to the chosen slots. Now, Liverpool are the early game next yeah. weekend away at Brighton. What's your reaction to what Klopp said there? Well, first of all, I think Jurgen Klopp is looking out for the welfare of the players generally, not just Liverpool. Let me get that on record. Um, listen, the, I think the five-substitute thing would be a big help. At least you can make the kind of substitutes in games when, when you feel necessary still have people available. 
But the TV schedule is a TV schedule. If Liverpool are this great team that have won the title, they are going to get chosen in the slots. And the other thing you have to say, Rebecca, is you don't buy Virgil van Dijk without the kind of TV money that's coming into your football club. So, in some respects, if you take that money, you have to accept that it's going to be difficult in a compressed season. Can't have it every way. No, it's very, it's very delicate. You make a great point, Robbie. I, I think Jurgen Klopp also makes a good point. He, he's having to wait to late in the... He's getting so many muscle injuries that he's having to wait to late in the game mm. to make substitutes because he, he doesn't want to finish the game with nine players the way the, way mm. the injuries have happened. It is... It, th- things are different. The contracts were made before pre-COVID, so... Do things need to change? Do they need to bring back in five substitutions just to get us through this period in, in the world? Possibly, yes. OK. Well, there will be another shareholders meeting soon where they will probably have a re-vote on whether or not they return to the five substitutes or not. Strong words, though, from Jurgen Klopp. We start today with big news out of the UK. You're looking at images from March 9th, the last time fans were allowed into a Premier League stadium. Well, within the last hour, Prime Minister Boris Johnson announced that fans will return in a tiered approach from December 2nd. 4,000 fans will be allowed into stadiums that are in Tier 1 areas or areas with the lowest risk of COVID-19 infection. 2,000 fans will be allowed into stadiums that are in Tier 2 areas. There will be no crowds in stadiums in Tier 3. Now, the government will announce later this week the details of which tier every region of the country will be put into. Much more on this in just a minute. Sean, we're just hearing that at the end of lockdown, there are plans afoot now to start letting some fans into Stadia again, at least in the first two tiers. What are your thoughts on on hearing that? Well, it'd be great if they can. You know, it's a start point, and obviously the idea of vaccination and the, the country recovering, of course, if we can get fans in the stadium, I think it's great for all. Even if it is limited numbers, it just brings that feel and that connection back from the, the fans to the, to the team and to the club. So hopefully it'll build quickly on the back of that. And it'd be important for a club like Burnley to get them in here. Yeah, look, it is for every team. It is for every team. But we made this a, a really tough place and the fans play a massive part of that. So, of course, we missed our fans. If they can come back in, that'd be brilliant. With that, we do say hello to you. Glad you could join us here today. Welcome to the studio, Ahmed Farid with Tim Howard and Robbie Earle. So let's start right there, guys, with the news that fans potentially being allowed at a small level, 4,000, maybe 2,000 fans into stadiums. You've said it before. It's not the Premier League without fans. We're going to get at least a little bit closer to that. Yeah, I agree with Sean Dutch. Initially, you think it's great news, but... I've got to be honest, from the start of the pandemic, we go back to March, I've been always a little bit conflicted about celebrating anything to do with football, when people are losing their lives, when the pandemic's affecting so many people around the world, but we're, you know, talking about great goals. It just doesn't feel right. Making sure that the fans come into the grounds in a safe environment with the right protocol, with, with low risk, is the most important thing. And I have a lot of trust in the Premier League. I think they do, they've done things so well in terms of players. They're prepared for the, for, for the fans. I'm putting my trust in the British government. I'm, I'm hoping that they, they put the, the same amount of thought and detail into, into the plans. But... It, you know, there is nothing like the fans being back in the stadiums and, and it's great to get to a normal rather than the new normal. And if we can do that in a safe environment, it's outdoors, there's enough space, you can keep social distancing in mass. My one worry, my one worry is entry in and, and exit out of the stadiums. Dispersing uh, of fans is going to be so important that we don't get collective groups together. So that's the question. You're optimistic, you want to see fans back. Are you optimistic that the Premier League can figure out a way to do it safely? I, I am. There's, there's still a concern about the spread, of course. I trust in the Premier League. I trust in the UK government that they're doing it in the right way. A slow, tiered approach, I believe, is the right way. If it doesn't work, we can start to pull it back very quickly. Hopefully that's not the case. Yes, the worry is 
entry points into the stadium, bathroom usage. Most fans in the UK travel up on up or down the country via train. Mm -hmm. So that, again, is a concern, but it can't be overstated. The connection between the fans and the players in the Premier League is so massive. 2,000, 4,000, 5,000. When you walk out onto that pitch and you see the delight on their fans, uh, on their faces, and they, and they look at these, these players who they hold in such high regard that are their idols, that connection is unmatched anywhere else. If players took it for granted before, mm -hmm. they're not going to take it for granted now. Mm -hmm. It does bring into question the fact that there are going to be some stadiums, perhaps, that have 4,000 fans, mm -hmm. some stadiums in different parts of the country that yeah. have no fans. The yeah. fairness of that and the fairness mm -hmm. of some clubs getting to play in front yeah. of their home fans. It's, it's interesting because I've been lived in, in the UK, and, and if these, I don't know, teams in the north who are getting fans in, in down south, there's this north-south divide that will come out. Yeah, it's strange because living over in the US, we see the NFL that, that's obviously played across different states and some states have got fans in and some states haven't and people accept that, obviously, to do with, with the rise. I just also hope we're in a position where, listen, if, if the fans go in and things don't work out well, if we start seeing a rise in, in, in numbers during that period, that we can say, hold on, let's go back to no fans again. If it's for a month, if it's for six weeks, let's do the right thing. Let's make sure it's safe before we celebrate fans being back in the ground. Yeah. Important to note, too, this is news that just came out today. More mm. details coming out yeah. Thursday, and I'm sure more details will come out uh, after that. Within the last half hour, the Premier League released a statement regarding the news saying, quote, Fans have been greatly missed at Premier League matches, and therefore we welcome the Prime Minister's announcement today regarding the return of supporters for the first time since March, albeit at small numbers. Our ambition remains to work with government to increase attendance to more substantial levels. Until this can be done, many fans will be able to still un unable to attend games, and our clubs will continue to operate matches at a financial loss. Our priority continues to be... The agreement of the roadmap with the Department of Digital Culture, Media and Sport and the Sports Technology and Innovation Group for pilot events that can help our clubs quickly scale up to larger capacities in line with the Sports Ground Safety Authority's COVID secure guidelines and beyond. Premier League clubs have a proven track record of achieving high biosecurity standards and we believe we can play a significant role in the government's rapid turnaround testing initiative. We look forward to working with government on the next steps. Tim, it can go sideways for a team really mm -hmm. quickly, especially when you have the start that Burnley has had. How much credit do you give Sean Dyche for keeping them motivated? He knows, he's been in this situation before, Sean Dyche. He knows how to get them out of it. He knows, more importantly, how to stay mm -hmm. calm because these are going to be trying times mm -hmm. for Burnley. They're going to be down there near the bottom. You look at those fixtures we talked about today in November, not a must-win. For me, it was must-win. You look at those fixtures. I don't know where the next one's coming from mm -hmm. until maybe they play leads at the mm -hmm. back end of that. So he needs to stay calm through the process, tra train his team in a, in a way that they can be enthusiastic on the training ground. No better way to be happy during the week than to get three points today. One of the things I think you get with, with Sean Darch and the Spurman team, they believe in the manager. He, he's been with them. They've come on the same journey, and they believe in what, what they do, first of all. Second, today we talked about Rodriguez. I thought that was a big move. It changed the, the options, the dimensions that with, with, with Burnley played. And I'll go back to before we kicked off. Ben Mee, back in the team, the captain. Just, there's somebody in training. Sometimes a captain comes in training, and training lifts 10 or 15%. The changing room's different mm -hmm. just because that guy's there. Ben Mee is so important to this football club, and Sean Dyche will know that, you know, having him back in the team is so, so important. For Crystal Palace, does this show how heavily they rely on Wilfred Zaha? You don't have him, you get shut out against Burnley? 
Well, yes, because if they can be a, they can be a, a mid-table team if mm. Zaha continues to add to his goal tally of five goals, no problem. They can push on up the table if Batshuayi can help with the goals, if Ayu can help with the goals. Today, they were just disappointing. Batshuayi never looked near dangerous enough, so Roy Hodgson's forced to play his hand, put the only other striker on that he has on the bench in Benteke, who, again, just looked rusty and off the mark. Disappointing because, really, it, at this point, it looks like a one-man team. Was I would hate it as a professional if you were saying, if Zaha doesn't play, Palace don't mm. turn up. Mm. Pa- too many Palace players accept mediocrity except mid-table. This should be a team that's challenging for top ten, but they've got to start games better than, than they did today. They didn't play that badly. They didn't have loads of shots, but they've got to start with the intent. They, they want something to prove. They want to be top ten in, in, in the season. So with all that news, hmm. had a couple of games that happened hmm. today. Ahmed Farid, Robbie Earl, Tim Howard. Let's start with the one that we just saw here. Yeah. Highly entertaining game. Mm-hmm. Robbie Earl won one. You saw at the end of the game, Ralph Hasenhuttle and, yeah. and, and uh, Nuno both smiling. Yeah. I guess they're both happy with that point. I kind of quite liked it. And, and um, the point was probably uh, about right for, for each team. What I would say, and what, what was impressive, is these aren't big six teams. They don't have huge resources. They can't afford massive transfers. But they coach their teams properly. They coach their teams to, to play well. Southampton, I look at the players, and, and players who play under Ralph Hasenhut will get better. James Wood-Prowse, Tim talked about, Stuart Armstrong, Carl Walker-Peters, even Theo Walcott has improved, I think, as a footballer, working under Hasenhurtle. And with better finishing, Southampton would have won the game. Fairness to Wolves, they increased the tempo in the second half and, and, and got their goal back. And, and in Joe Martino... In centre midfield, they've got a talent who's coming to the last stages of his career. But what a great example of a professional, somebody who's you know dedicated himself to his craft. Outstanding football. Maybe a rare game where you don't get the full three points, but both team supporters have something to feel good about. Yeah, fair result. One-one draw. I mean, credit to Nuno sets his team up for the first time in a mm. long time that I can remember. In a, in a back four at halftime, wasn't really working. So he stuck with it. I think he should have changed, but he stuck mm. with it. And he got the result, ultimately, and he got, got a goal back. Look, Southampton, Danny Ings, he carries such a load for them. He's missing, but I thought Adams was good today. Walcott got on the score sheet. Uh, they're, they're carrying a the slack, but still, this team, Danny Ings needs to be fit in order for this yeah. team to keep going that way. Yeah, do they look like, currently in the top mm. five, do they mm. look like a team... With Danny Ings, for sure, yeah. they can stay in the top five. I'll tell you what, they, they're confident. They get on the ball. They possess it well. They, you, we saw Manchester United this weekend, and, and then we'll do the highlights in a little while. At times when United get the ball, you can't quite see what they're going to mm. do. They're not grooved. This team are, are, are a great replication of what the manager's doing on the training ground, and that, that's the biggest compliment you can give Hassan Hill, mm-hmm. who, by the way, is sneaky good and at some point might be managing the top six team. Yeah, a lot of respect from uh, mm-hmm. around the Premier League for sure. Jurgen Klopp, one of his good buddies in the league. So that was our second game. Our first game, you're looking at the other end of the table because Tim Howard, <laughs> Burnley, I just asked, is, is Southampton a legit top five team? I don't think many people think Burnley should be in the relegation zone. They were up until their win today. They're out now. Do, do you think they can take a, a sigh of relief there? Well, I'm not one of those people. I think I think they probably should be. They, they didn't buy very well. Uh, there's obviously been some some discontent between Sean Dyche, the manager, and, and ownership. He, th- Sean Dyche thrives in this type of scenario. 
He's not going to panic. He's going. You saw a smile on his face. He's upbeat. He's going to train his team to get victories like this. They're not. It's not going to be brilliant. They needed this game because their next run of fixtures mm. looks terrible mm. for them. And so I think they're going to be there, or thereabouts, down at the bottom, whether they're in the bottom three or just just above it. So games like today, they have to get three points. They had to take advantage of Crystal Palace without Wilfred Zaha, yeah. who had tested positive for yeah. coronavirus. Uh, Hodgson told us that before the game. Mm. So maybe a red flag for Crystal Palace that without Zaha. You couldn't really tell what they were able to do. I, I'm not buying that, by the way. They, they, they know Zaha. Liverpool didn't have Van Dijk, didn't have Gomez, didn't have Henderson. Liverpool have shown us that it's not who's not playing, it's who is playing. And I tell you what, they start the game like, oh, Wilf is missing. They didn't have the game face on. They started really slowly, Palace. Got better as the game got go on and, and started to create some chances. But you can't just rely on one pe- person. And I think that's something that's wrong with this football club. At times, I don't think they're ambitious enough. I think they think mid-table's OK, we'll stay in the league. They should be aiming for top ten. And then maybe, maybe Europa, like we've seen Wolves do, like Leicester City have done. And, and, and so that's the one thing, I, if I'm critical of Roy, sometimes, like, is that motivation there on days like today to go and get those three points. Robbie, I, I do think they are a one-man show. I think Zaha makes Ayu better. I don't think Bachua is up to the task. I don't think Benteke is up to the task. So when Zaha is missing, they're going to So, so as, as a tactic now, all I'll say is, Mark Zaha out the game, <laughs> Palace are gone. Mm. Oh, pff, that's a bad reflection on yeah. your football yeah. club. It, it, it's a similar story with a lot of teams in the league this year. How will you step mm-hmm. up if one of your key players goes down? We saw it basically in both of our, our games today. That does it for this edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast. Be sure to check out other episodes where you'll get a collection of our most spirited in-studio debates as well as exclusive on-site access. Plus, don't miss out on Premier League mornings, weekends at 7 a.m. Eastern on NBCSN and Peacock Premium. Bye for now. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.